Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Yusa Hawkins' Storm Over Brooklyn, directed by Muta Ali, tells the story of Yusuf Hawkins, a black teenager who was murdered in 1989 by a group of white men from Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. Yusuf Hawkins' death and the official response to it sparked outrage in New York, unleashing a torrent of racial tension and spurring tireless civil rights activism that exposed deep racial prejudices and inequalities which continue to plague the country to this day. The film, again, is called Yusuf Hawkins' Storm Over Brooklyn, and we're joined today by the director, Muta Ali. Muta, welcome to Film School Radio. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. How did the story of uh, Yusuf Hawkins, um, how did you first learn, learn of this, and what prompted the documentary? In early 2016, I think it was May, uh, Victorious De Costa uh, came to me. Victorious is a filmmaker, uh, and I met him in a filmmaker's network and we used to meet in Harlem I think every other Friday at this place called Mist. and he called me because he had seen a project that I directed called Life's Essential with Ruby D which surrounded the life of my grandmother and he asked if I would be willing to help him edit um, a film that he was going to do on Yusuf Hawkins and I, and I asked him how he even came came to be uh, working on this project and he said that Charles Darby is one of Yusuf's childhood friends and Charles had a dream one day about Yusuf and in that dream Charles told Yusuf not to forget him. Charles decided to make a film and didn't know how to make a film. Uh, he ended up being connected to Victorious through social media and Victorious you know he called me but I didn't commit to doing the film right away because I had done a film before without any budget and I didn't want to go through that again unless I really felt compelled to do so. And I was only 10 years old when Yusuf was murdered. So I had a vague, a vague recollection of his name being mentioned in the house and a vague understanding of how his murder affected uh, our culture during that time. So the key to me committing to telling the story was reading John DeSantis's book. So John DeSantis in the film, You'll, you'll know he's a journalist and he participates in the documentary. He's the one in, in a blue shirt. He's got gray hair. He wrote a book and he published it in 91 called For the Color of His Skin. And that book gave a great baseline of understanding to me about what happened to Yusuf. And it also opened my mind to different ways to approach telling the story. And one of the aspects of that book that I was drawn to was uh, its account of how much denial was taking place in Bensonhurst at that time. And I knew that I didn't want to just tell a story to just remind people that, oh, there was racism 30 years ago, and remind people that, oh, there was a mob of white people who killed a black person 30 years ago. Don't forget that. That was part of it, but what I felt was a necessary aspect of, of telling the story in terms of why I should tell the story was to kind of call people out for the denial that was taking place. And in 2016, denying racism was called Racism 2.0. And I said, you know what? It's a tragedy about what happened to Yusuf. It's an opportunity to tell the story about what happened to him, to honor him and his family, 
and to also let New Yorkers know in this liberal city that our idea that racism is behind us, the idea that we have in modern times that racism is behind us, was in the minds of us as New Yorkers in 89 that racism was behind us. And I wanted to tell the story in a way that actually through its subtext revealed how dangerous it is for us to think that racism and its deadly uh, um, symptoms, I guess you would call it, are behind us. And that's when I committed. I said, you know what, Victorious, I'm down to do it, uh, but I'm not trying to edit. I hate, I hate editing. And, and we all came to a consensus that I would be great as the creative leader of the team. So I, I took the seat as director and we went on a journey. So that was 2016 and, and, and um, you know, it's 2020 now. So it's been a long journey. At, at the time you came into the project, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of money. Uh, when did HBO or whoever was able to kind of help uh, finance the project, when did they come into it, to this? We met with HBO, I think it was spring, summer 2018. So between 2016 and 18, there was a core group of four of us. It was uh, me, it was my producing partner, Javon Frank, it was Victoria Costa, and it was Charles Darby. And what we did was we put together a production package, you know, so I had to, everything I did was with everyone else as a sounding board and I kind of direct in a very collaborative way. But what I know we knew, know, what I know we needed to do was create the synopsis, create, create a new tagline, do uh, an, a budget. I based the budget on how Central Park Five, the documentary was put together and, and went out, borrowed money, got this $10,000 camera, you know, borrowed it on faith, people believing in us, and started filming interviews. Victorious locked down the interview with Reverend Sharpton. We interviewed C. Vernon Mason. He didn't make the film. We interviewed Yusuf's mother and Yusuf's older brother, Freddie. Uh, I edited a sizzle together with the archive that we found just online. And we were dedicated to making this film so that it could come out in 2019, because that would have been, that was the 30 year anniversary of Yusuf's murder. Um, we were going to do it by hook or by crook, but in 2017, someone emailed me um, this invitation to apply to the initiative that the American Black Film Festival and Lightbox Entertainment did. It was a documentary initiative, and that deadline was in the summer of 2017. It was the day before the deadline that I said, you know what, let's submit it. And it was only because all the work that we had done already that I even had the liberty to just apply the day of because it required a lot of, of work yeah. that you had to submit. Applied several months later, or th three months later, Melanie Sharif from ABFF called me. Said, "You, you know, you made the uh, you made the cut as the semifinalist." Next thing I know, I'm on Skype with Jonathan Chin at Lightbox and with Jeff Friday at ABFF, and I'm in this very room, and they're interviewing me to find out is this is this real? Is it not? You know, and they saw how real it was because these boards behind me were filled with hundreds of cards, you know, trying to sort out the story and and, and break down the characters. And they knew that we were going to make this film uh, regardless. But they said yes. And later in 2017, we won that initiative. And with that came a $30,000 budget. We used that to interview Luther Sylvester and I believe one other person. And, a, and an editor that Lightbox hired put together an, a, an enhanced reel for us. And with Lightbox and with Jeff Friday uh, by my side, I pitched to several networks. and. HBO right away saw the value in the film. I, and um, I was there with Lisa and Nancy and um, Jackie Glover was in the room. And they saw the value in the story. They saw how much work was there. 
and they knew the importance of, of Yusuf's story. So yeah. they got on board. Yeah. And we got the budget in uh, September 2018. So. Thank you for that answer. Thank you for that part of it because a lot of filmmakers listen to the show. It's called Film School Radio. I feel like it's, it's always valuable to be able to kind of talk straight talk with people who are interested in making films. It's one of the purposes of the, of this show. So, but that leads us really to the, the heart of the story, Yusuf Hawkins and what happened to him. They arrived in Bensonhurst uh, that night. It was a Wednesday, August 23rd to look at a used car. Yusuf was there with three friends, Luther, Claude, and Troy. And if you look at a map, um, the location of the used car was not very far from the train station where they arrived, but they had never been to Bensonhurst. They uh, grew up primarily in East New York, which is a whole different part of Brooklyn. And before they knew it, they were intercepted by a mob of 27 to 30 young, mostly Italian men. They were cornered, separated from one another, and as Luther says, they were accused of dating our girls is one of the things that was shouted out that, at them. And what, what are y'all N-words doing here was shouted at them. And the mob was armed with baseball bats. Uh, some had some handguns. And before Yusuf was able to even explain himself, he was shot in the shoulder, in the hand, and twice in the heart. Um, that's that's pretty much at the center of the story um, and a lot transpired afterward and there was a lot going on in Bensonhurst before they arrived but that that's the tragedy that this story uh, encompasses yeah th there is so much in this telling of the story storm over Brooklyn um, and what not only what spun out from that underlying racial divisions within the city of New York, as you alluded to, the thought was that they were sort of post-racial in some way because, because they were, which turns out not to be one of the, one of the more valuable things for me watching it was to see the archival footage you have of, uh, of Bensonhurst and the reaction um, of the, of the people living along that particular street. As Reverend Sharpton, Al Sharpton says in in the film, he's been to a lot of places and seen a lot of reaction from from white people in terms of their reaction uh, to black people. He never seen anything quite like that. Talk a little bit about the Hawkins family. I, I know I'm kind of jumping around here a little bit, but I think it's no. important to establish the uh, his mother and and his father, the relationship between the brothers. There's so much rich storytelling to be told just about their own personal story in this right absolutely the um the, the marches as you mentioned the hawkins family they were there um and uh by reverend sharpton's design those marches were straight through the neighborhood of bensonhurst right where yusuf was killed and if you can imagine being um the mother of yusuf hawkins or a brother of yusuf hawkins it was a trying moment in their lives to have to march through that neighborhood where you have what we, I think, generously call counter-protesters flanking everyone, uh, calling them the N-word, throwing soda at them, hoisting up watermelons, telling them N-word, go home, uh, all sorts of violent uh, speech and, and threatening acts all around them. And Yusuf's family was comprised of a, a range of personality types. Uh, Yusuf's mother, uh, Miss Diane Hawkins, was going through a great deal of trauma. Her son had just been murdered right there. And she was not in a position emotionally to express her feelings to the press. And she was not in a position culturally to grieve privately 
and mourn the loss of her son. Because, um, as is often the case uh, when it comes to the Black community in America, it is almost critical that when a Black person is murdered for the color of their skin, the culture is given permission. It's almost critical that the culture gets permission to use that person's name as an asset. And by asset, I mean as evidence of a larger dynamic of oppression taking place. And so when activists who are articulate and who can kind of raise the temperature in the room catch wind of a racial uh, murder, like what happened to Yusuf, they are able to skillfully use what happened to raise awareness so that the powers that be may be able to make decisions that protect black people as opposed to oppress, ostracize, and neglect the needs of Black people. And also through Reverend Sharpton's design, those protests over the years, there were 29 of them, lead to uh, justice being served to one degree or another. But you have a mother reeling and, and trying to survive emotionally during this time. And you have two younger children. Uh, Amir was Yusuf's younger brother. He was 14 years old at the time. In school, snatched out of school, try, all of a sudden the house is full of activists and um, people running for mayor and reporters. His mother is, 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 is going through trauma. His father, who had been an absent father, if we're gonna label him that, had just came back into their lives less than a year before Yusuf was taken away. So it's dizzying what he was experiencing. You have Freddie Hawkins, who was Yusuf's older brother, who I suspect felt some, some, responsibility to have protected his younger brother. And I say that cautiously because, uh, you know, I have a younger brother and I think we just by nature feel a need to protect our, our siblings, especially our younger siblings. So I can't imagine what he was feeling during that time with that chaos. And you have a father who did come back and might have felt the need to redeem himself as a father figure, and, and before he's able to do so, Yusuf is snatched from him. So I think that motivated him to be as aggressive as possible when it came to seeking justice. And all of those dynamics were taking place in the household alone. So this, this story is full of characters who've experienced a great deal of real-life pain. It's an immense amount of pressure. It's hard to, hard to un believe any one family could withstand that kind of tragic loss, and then the scrutiny, and then the pressure to somehow be everything to everyone in some some sense. It's, uh, again, that part of the film is told so well, the interviews that you have with the, the family and the, with the friends and Yusuf's, uh, as you talk about in the film, the special kind of person he was to his brothers and to his, to his mom. And then all of this atmospherics around it. It's, it's, it's a really remarkable film, a really, really remarkable documentary. I just want to let people know again that it's going to be um, screening, premiering on HBO on August 12th, uh, 9 o'clock. I would say check your local listings uh, if you're uh, for that. But 9 o'clock, um, the reaction to the film, I'm curious, in, in, in light of the recent uh, events in America, George Floyd, there's so much going on. Um, and uh, I'm just curious kind of reaction you have been getting surrounding the film? I've been getting a lot of positive feedback. Yeah. And, but I'll tell you, the, the only feedback that really mattered was the feedback I got about a month ago when Yusuf's family told me A++. They gave me two big thumbs up for doing this film. That was the 
that was the only thing I was looking out for. And uh, they, they approved of it. So me, I'm good. I'm hoping everyone else appreciates it. <laughs> I really do. And I feel like people are appreciating it. But I feel like the, the Hawkins family has been through a lot. And to do something that they find uh, helpful is, is really an, an honor. Well, I'm sure you've heard this. The film is prescient, depressingly prescient to our to the world we live in today in the sense of, you know, how many cycles, because we watch this and you see this kind of recognition uh, um, in the, certainly within the power structure of New York as to the situation with r- systemic racism. And I'm sure at the time they thought, well, maybe things will get better. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking Bensonhurst, uh, the different neighborhoods that you that are shown in the film. And I kept coming back to things like redlining. You know, I kept thinking, you know, unless we address those those love that level of systemic racism we're doomed we're doomed to continue to do this over and over again and i i yeah i i, I mean i'm hopeful I, I feel hopeful about the future right now but i don't know if i'll feel that way a year from now when we're when we're having another george floyd incident right i don't know yeah yeah and people i look up to say that it you know you have to keep keep hope otherwise there's no use in and being persistent and everything. If in the back yeah. of the mind, you're not hopeful. It's just, you're never going to succeed. Yeah. So I'm yeah. hold on to that. <laughs> I, I do too. I do too. And I, I, I think it is, it feels different. It does feel different. And I think the demographics of the country are changing. I think people are just so tired of, of, of having this, you know, this America's promise. I mean, I, I was in kindergarten. I was told you know, America's for everyone, you know, and, at what point is that actually going to be, you know, actually the case? So I really appreciate your time today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks oh, for you're, talking. Yeah, very welcome. Again, the film is called Yusuf Hawkins' Storm Over Brooklyn, and we've been talking with the director, Muta Ali. Thank you. Come back anytime with any project you have. I appreciate your time. My pleasure. My pleasure. Have a great one. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.